Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Not only did you and I buy cheap sports cars, but the video is out. We're not just talking about it here. <laughs> it's waiting a, for the it's a thing. Yes, it's a it thing is a we're thing. going to do. We're going to be doing a video, almost a video a month. We have our first. Actually, we're shooting our second one this weekend. We are. And we then are. we get our third one shot in a week. I mean, these are coming out rapid on. fire. We're very, very excited. It's on. But you can find out about the shopping and, more importantly, the I Just Drove This for the First Time review of both those cars. It's on YouTube right Pretty now on the fun. main channel. We would love for you to watch that. Pretty fun. So huge thanks to Auto Tempest for being the headline sponsor autotempest.com so you can go there and search just like we did mm-hmm. for $7,500 or less and that was our cap our self-imposed cap on this $7,500 or less because at $10,000 Boxsters are available but we could not get no. a Porsche for me I, mm-hmm. I was not allowed that's you self-imposed allowed. rules yes. and I think you just kind of said I'm not going to get a Miata because well, you would have got a Miata because we know Miatas are available yeah. and we know Boxsters available other people have done cheap car challenges with those we wanted to get something that was new to us and boy did we get new to us <laughs> boy, is this especially you with the SLK manual. Where did that manual come from? Manual transmission. It came from Florida. It did come from Florida. They <laughs> were looked available. on Auto Tempest. They it were came available from all over the nation. That's where that one came from. We're very excited to do a lot of pieces on these. And what's funny is we haven't even done an on-camera section of either of us driving the other one's car yet. That's still coming. Yeah, that's true. But we've got. That's but true. the next the next video is what's broken must fix. That's the next video. Yes. And then we do a cool road trip one. And yes. then it's going to start snowing and they're going to be driven all winter and madness will ensue. We're very excited. We're we gotta, genuinely very we gotta excited. we got to do the drifting madness yes we got to do this tops down go to the mm-hmm. ski resort totally it's gonna happen that's i'm ready for ski season just because of these two idiot <laughs> just cars the, just because of convertibles so we can put the tops down mm-hmm. ski sticking straight up yep, and just drive sure. around grinning like idiots yes, and i'll wear guy. my ski goggles in the blizzard i'll just here's the thing i'll just drive from my house to the <laughs> ski run wearing my helmet and goggles i'm going to ski in yes i mean why would i not and see the problem, problem is solved. your car has heated seats whereas mine does, does not i'm going to freeze my rear end yes, every well, time know. i get in that car but if you bundle up for skiing, you'll yeah, probably true. just drive there already bundled and be fine, and then it's, it'll be awesome. Yeah. It's like getting on the ski lift, and it's the first chair. It's been mm-hmm. snowing overnight, and you're like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> All right. Where's Hello. the warm spot? So so that's happening. We're very excited about it. We are also shooting TV uh, kind of furiously between now and the end of the year so that we can actually be up with season eight. Wow. First quarter of 2021. It's I know we're all us. excited for 2021. We are excited as well, and that will be season eight starting at the beginning of January, which is very cool. Uh, yes, we're still doing YouTube videos on two channels at once. We have our Test Drive Videos channel. That just got a, uh, a Mazda CX-30 where we talk about Mazda's new math. That piece just dropped yesterday as well. And there's still tons more coming. Yes. Soon I will be juggling a chainsaw, a feather, and a bowling ball while we're putting great. content on two channels. We're keeping all the plates in the air over <laughs> yes. here. Meanwhile, we're podcasting as well. It's going to be amazing. Meanwhile, we have the 2020 Chevy Trailblazer that we need to discuss. This was a press car dropped off to yeah, us we recently. Should. We should. And it's very important that we talk about this car thing, vehicle. Well, it's, it's yet thing. another SUV. I mean, they're taking that, yes. that name that's been around for a long time. We've already talked about the fact that 
uh, Gia missed an opportunity with the blazer. This is this Indeed. is the blazer. This is this is the trailblazer. Like but, a seven forty seven going over the, their heads. But the blazer was an opportunity for let's compete with the Wrangler and the Bronco and these kind of things. Yeah, they didn't. They made another SUV. This is guess what? Another SUV with a trailblazer badge. Which you know, trailblazers were okay. They were all right for a while, mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. it's back, and it's it's Blansville. So interestingly, this is built in Korea, which I was excited about because it might mean really good build quality. And I was excited about that. And it was fine. It was fine. So clearly, you know, a car vehicle built for the world market and it was Mm -hmm. certainly sized that way. So Mm -hmm. it would work in Europe. It would work in Japan, Korea, it would work in Asia, you know, of course, and then certainly in the U.S. And I thought, okay, what is it about this that makes it stand out? It actually mm. was geared in such a way that it just launched off the stoplight. It sure. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it did put the well. power down, mm-hmm. which was good. But I think, what is it about this styling or mm. you know, the interior, the amenities? And it's tough to find a standout quality for this. It's tough to say for $30,000, you should shop this. Yes. Because what is the compelling thing? Like you and I find mm-hmm. about the Mazda CX-30, by the way, that video just dropped on the second YouTube channel. You can find it at everydaydriver.com, and then the YouTube tab will take you to either channel. Yeah. So on the second channel, there is the CX-30. And so that comes along, and we go, wow. Well, and besides the naming convention... This is cool. Also this week, we dropped the Kia Seltos, another mm-hmm. one in that same area. Yes, yes. These are direct competitors to this Trailblazer that we also liked. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the struggle that I had with the Trailblazer, I, I, have, to, can I, I have to make my joke because I'm not going to be able to make it anywhere else because we didn't shoot it. We didn't have time to shoot it. Are you going to mention paint color at all? I'm not going to mention paint oh, color, okay. but you can come back around to that. Because, I might. Wow. I might. But, but with the Trailblazer, Chevy shows themselves to be lost in the woods. That's my tagline for the Trailblazer because it's just – He was it, saying that for like looks, a week, by the way. It looks like, well, hmm, we need something in this segment. We have a Trailblazer name. Let's make something average. It's yeah. just that, – yeah. that's my problem with it is the Trailblazer name has been around a long time. And, and here's the other thing about it. It's average and it's thirty grand. If it was average and twenty five grand. mm mm-hmm. Oh, now that's interesting. At a lower price, I could see it being more compelling. Certainly. But at thirty grand, you've got fine. a lot of competition, and it doesn't yeah. feel like a $30,000 vehicle. It's a very upright seating position. There's tons of great visibility. It has yes. all of those things going yes. forth that you want in a, in a CUV. Decent space throughout, honestly. Decent space. But I just – every time I drove it, I thought, this is fine. It's, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. And at $30,000, that's – a lot of money for fine. I agree. I think you and I want something compelling out of the cars that we drive. Of course, a standout in every category. I'll give you an example. The Volvo S60 that we drove. That is coming on the Test Drive channel. Mm-hmm. That is standout in every category. It's freaking brilliant. It genuinely surprised us. Yeah, I totally agree. But if there's two or three standout categories that give it a personality and a character, that's what we gravitate towards. And that's mm-hmm. what we gravitate towards to, for shopping for you guys because yeah. it's never, well, I just need something that you know runs and good gas mileage and it's inoffensive. There's other factors in your buying decisions. Hopefully there should be, yeah. And we want you to have a compelling car that you enjoy being in. If it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. fine, the trim in interior, the color and material breakup was good. It was, yeah. it was good. I like the trim choices. I like the material choices. The exterior paint was called Zeus Bronze Metallic, mm-hmm. which if you're kind, you can call it like the Espresso Crema or Hazelnut That's or something like that. That's you being kind. 
or you can just go with metallic brown. It was brown. It's just it's just brown. The problem brown, is walk around and guess what? Still brown. Oh look, it's a shiny brown. It's brown. In dark light, it dark darkness. It's brown. Oh, it's just brown. Dusk. It's brown. It's still brown. Guess and what? It's just brown. I don't care what. Here's the other thing about. It. I, sorry. Now now you've got yes. me ranting. I don't care what you call it. It's brown because you gave it a no. It's a bronze metallic. It's sorry. It's brown. Yeah. And, I, and I, mm. This color is also offered on the C8 Corvette, which I think should be banned. The, yeah, what this color on the Corvette? No, brown. I got a brown Corvette. No. I, I have ranted before on this very podcast about brown Porsche 911s. Now somebody out there owns one, and I'm about to get an angry letter, and that's fine. But brown but is not like a color. Chocolate. That was 70s too. That I they don't did. care. Well, I guess they still brown do it, Porsche 911. Uh, just yeah. no, no on brown. Okay, <laughs> no to brown. No, no to brown. I agree. As much here's the thing. As much as I don't want the monochromatic world we're living in, where almost every car is white, silver, or black. As much as I dislike that, if you decide to not go with one of those and your color choice is brown, you've done it wrong. <laughs> You just had it wrong. And then it had a, a white roof. It did. On top of the brown. Yes. Which didn't remind me of good things. It so didn't, it, it didn't it, say good things. I, mm, I, I was going to crack a joke, the, but it's the, not. The color, so. the color is actually not the reason that this was no, not a standout. Let's take color aside. Color irrelevant. I just I was struggling with the fact that there was never a place in it where it's like you know, but it does this great. It did a lot of things right, fine, right. And the standout thing that I'm looking for from a design perspective is not just shapes. Mm. There's just kind of shapes everywhere, and that washes out, and that's the escalator to nowhere, sure. and that just wraps around <laughs> to nothing. And okay, shapes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but nothing says here's a car for you to love, because many of you listening have had cars and you've not connected with them. I didn't connect with my 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Fair. I fair. thought I would because I had a Jeep. Mm-hmm. My dad's 77 Jeep Grand Cherokee when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I thought, ah, I want to get the Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah, yeah. I didn't connect with it at all. It was forgettable. Didn't like it. And there's many cars that you know you kind of go through and you have for a year and you think, yeah, it was fine. Got mm-hmm. me around. Yeah, yeah. But we want that passion. We want the, the thing in your heart that clicks mm-hmm. with your car. And this doesn't have that, which... It's frustrating. I'll give you. I'll give you a uh, a counterpoint. Actually, in the market, the Jeep Renegade. Now that has a nine speed transmission. Yeah, yeah. We weren't huge fans of it, but we thought it was pretty good. Yeah. It has a quirky character. It does. Yeah. That makes me like it more than the Trailblazer. I agree to that. And yeah. I, and I don't think honestly, I don't think it's because it oh it drives so much. It it also drove fine. Right, and I actually remember that nine-speed. I don't like it much. Sure, and the transmission and, and driveline in the Trailblazer were again fine. I had no issues with it. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. it was it was good. You you made the comment that it took off pretty well. So I remember I don't like that nine-speed in the Renegade, but there was something about. I know this just sounds weird, but the quirkiness and the character and what the Renegade was trying to be, the mini Jeep it was trying to be, makes it at least have a bent. That takes it from being fine to being oh okay. I can see why you like that focused and. Directed it, towards it, it just a gave it a it just gave it a feel. quirk so yeah. that it's not just a C student mm-hmm. and the Trailblazer was a fantastic likable C student mm-hmm. and at thirty thousand yeah. dollars again at twenty five okay at thirty it was like I I just need more I to c- recommend somebody agree. buy it I think you buy it and be it'll be fine it again it'll be fine yeah, I agree. it would run it would do your stuff because this from the company that 
knows what they've been doing. They've been building cars for well over a hundred years. Yeah. They know what yeah, they're yeah. doing. And there's an opportunity for every car manufacturer, especially in the midst of competition to make it go deeper than that, than just serving the market and checking the box. And that's what I feel like has happened is it's just kind of gotten a hold of by product planners and it checks the boxes and it's some, it's a shape and it has shapes and it's got a roof and it's built fine and it drives fine, but it's never going to be the one that connects with you. It's never going to be the one that you want to go buy. I can't wait to own that. I can't wait to, to have own a that. new trailblazer. Now somebody's going to write us a, a but letter if, because if this they were got a new small yeah. kind of like that Jeep you were talking about. If that were kind of small, blockier, you know, cooler, more rugged, kind of focused towards a particular market, whether or not you take it off road. Mm-hmm. It's the perception of that. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. you know, well, I, I got that. I could, I could change my lifestyle. I could get into canoeing. This is where, I could buy a canoe. This is where the RAV4 succeeds. We've talked about and joked about that. The RAV4 is offered in every trim imaginable. It's like nine or 10 trims. It's insane. Yeah. We but there's a, there's a trim for you. You know, and, and let's be honest. The, we don't know how many there are, but there's one for you. Here's the thing. The RAV4 has also been fine for a long time, but I think the yeah. current version did what the, I know this sounds weird, follow me, did what the last. Mitsubishi Evo did, where the Lancer, the base Lancer, looked interesting, and then they made it into an Evo. The base RAV4 right now looks interesting. You may not like it, but at least it's like, oh, that kind of stands out among all of the sea of five-seaters. Yes. Okay? And then they offer it in every trim from bland to hybrid to TRD Pro. Yes, but it got interesting because the styling got interesting and said rugged off-road, which the RAV4 has never really been. Yes, and it spoke it, to a new never breed of look. customers yeah. at a lower price level. And then with the hybrid getting over 40 miles to the gallon, suddenly people can look at that car as their only car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suddenly I'm getting good gas mileage for commutes and road trips. But look at this. It's got a little bit of off-road capability too. This is interesting now. Yeah. And it's got those little things that push it past just fine, Finesville. Well, that's the thing is that you and I, we're talking around it in circles, but you and I are just looking for that one little thing that is like that pierce through the normality mm-hmm. of any car. And we just go, oh, but this. Yeah. Like on that Celtos, we were talking about the fact that it's got a, a seven-speed DCT. Yes. What, 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 what? Sweet. What is that doing there? I mean, that, that yes. right there, that created – because here's the thing. Depending upon the setting – go watch that piece on the Test Drive Videos channel. Depending upon the setting, we either liked it or really didn't. Mm-hmm. But it was like, what is a seven-speed dual clutch doing in this thing? I mean, just instantly, it kudos was for point. just dropping it in this car. <laughs> cool that somebody That's walked point. walked around and went. You know what we should do? That <laughs> transmission in that body. Okay, let's try that. That'll out. make sales. So there Maybe you go. It will. We have two great car debates coming up. We've got Bill writing to us uh, from Michigan, and we also have uh, Tommy and Caitlin writing to us from Northern California. They've got two very different debates. You guys have got a ton of questions. Clearly, we are in a ranting mood. It's going to go quick. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com all the cars, one search. Bill T. in Michigan writes to us. He says he's lost in the candy store. For 25 of his 32 years of employment at GM, he hmm. was in the company car program where he received free use of new GM vehicles every six months wow. or sooner. 
Okay. He says, as you can imagine, he got to drive the full spectrum of vehicles, everything from a 1987 Chevy Nova to a Hummer H2. Mm. Before that, he grew up in a GM family, so his connection to GM vehicles went deep. Wow. But he says it also put on blinders on his choice of vehicles to own. So after years devoted to buying and driving GM vehicles, he felt liberated when he retired. So he ordered a 2017 <laughs> Mini Clubman S. That is not a GM vehicle. That is not. You can't even see GM from there. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, uh, a friend of mine, had suggested one time when Mini was owned by BMW, you know, purchased by BMW, that they should have the Union Jack on the roof peeling away, revealing the German flag underneath. That's fun. In, in paint. You Somebody know, so probably did that livery. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Kind of fun. So... Bill had had enough of driving GM vehicles, especially this new Trailblazer, <laughs> and grew tired of driving around with a baseball bat and duct tape so he could find and fix the squeaks and rattles while driving. Wow. These are his words, but wow. No longer I, is it coolant okay. and motor oil that you drive around. It's a d- baseball, it's a bat, baseball and duct tape. bat and duct tape. Ouch, man. Oh. Ouch. Oof. Okay. He says owning the Clubman opened his eyes to the wide world of non-GM vehicles. Mm. It also influenced his wife, who was not a car person but liked the mini brand experience, to buy a certified pre-owned 2014 <laughs> Mini Countryman S. Hang on, hang on. It gets worse because this just spirals. Or better. This just or spirals. Better. Well, no, no. I'm, I'm going somewhere because then he decided he needed more funds, so he traded in his Clubman for a 2016 two-door hardtop S. The problem here's the, here's the good and bad news here is that Bill left GM. Good for you. Yes. And here's the thing. Not a slight against GM, but because you've had only that experience. Right, right, right. You went out and you got a Mini, and I love it. But now you've owned three Minis. So yeah. what, I, what I'm concerned about is we're just getting into a new rut. I mean, it's a totally different rut, but it's just you jump it's out of new. one rut into a new rut. Can, can we buy something that's not a Mini, please? Is that where we're going here? Because we have to be not in a Mini. Well, this rut is different over here, so you can ride that rut for a little while before you get bored. But the last rut was, was 32 years long. Well, that's true. Let's, we, that's, sorry, yeah, Bill, right. I, look, I'm applauding Less time you in the rut. for jumping out of the rut, but let's, 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 just, you know, let's not be in a rut. Well, now Bill's at the point in his life where he doesn't want a single vehicle that satisfies all seasons Good. and reasons, like the new Chevy Trailblazer. Okay, <clears throat> got it. That produces too many compromises, which he wants to avoid. You're right, man. He bought a really nice 2004 Honda CRV. There you go. At 183,000 miles. There we go. He says many more to go. He says that I drive this during the Michigan winters and haul things that the minis can't handle. No, no, no. Hang on. Just right here. See, Bill, right there. First off, you branched out from Mini Bravo, but you were thinking about that thing we say, tools for jobs. Yes. You yes. went and bought a look at this 04 CRV with a ton of miles. There's zero things about that that are precious, but you just went, don't want to drive the Mini in this, want to haul stuff, want na- something nasty for the winners. That's going to run. Totally. I love it. You're, you're thinking about tools for jobs. We can, we can work with this now. <laughs> we can work with this. We've got the ingredients now, Bill. He says, boring, reliable, and handy. So what is the problem, though? They love their minis, okay. but they're now looking for a comfortable vehicle to buy for road trips and to cart around his older brother and trophy wife to dinner. <laughs> that's, those are his words. There's the older say, brother and trophy wife now listening email. to this because that's, uh, there's a, that's simultaneously either a conversation starter, and depending upon your relationship with your brother, it's either a fight or something you will have a drink and laugh about. I'm not sure which way that goes. I hope so. I hope anyway, you still yeah. need this large, comfortable four-door vehicle. Yeah, to you may now need a two-door or two-seat because who, who's going <laughs> with you? Because it doesn't Nobody. matter anymore. Yeah, right. Comfort does not equal boring, he says, so cookie-cutter SUVs or CUVs are not high on the list. I see it. Okay. He wants to be able to find his car in a parking lot. Okay. Since his whole life was tethered to owning and driving GM cars, he's like a kid lost in the candy store. 
I love this. That's great. He says for his next car, which is additive to the mini fleet, the CRV can be <laughs> sacrificed and may go to a family member or neighbor soon anyway, or your brother-in-law or his trophy wife. <clears throat> He's looking for the following attributes in the next vehicle. Solid body structure to avoid the interior squeaks and rattles. So you leave the baseball. The, the aforementioned. Yeah. We don't want, want a bat in there at all. Quiet interior with low road noise. Okay. Minis are fun, but not really quiet inside. Fine. Good driving dynamics, but no harsh rides. Firm and balanced is appreciated. Sedans, wagons, unique CUVs are fine. He needs a decent back seat for the occasional passengers. Okay. All right. A stylish dash that exudes quality. Okay. Not a mainstream vehicle that could be found in a rental fleet. Okay. All right. And the desired price, here's the price target, under $20,000, but he gives me the... Um, the carte blanche here. To Bill's go. listened before. Yes. He knows that 20 grand means 25 to you anyway. So let's just go there. So I'm up at 25, but mm-hmm. I, good news. I didn't have to even go there. Good. I found good. some good choices. So he works on cars. He says, you know, vehicle needing some work. It's not out of bounds if he needs to do a few things. And he says through all these vehicles, he and his wife put about 10,000 miles annually across mm. all of them, all of them. So what do we think? What recommendations do we have? Bill, I've, I found you many tasty choices. I have a lot of things to say for Bill here. One of the things I want to put out there, though, Bill, is since you, first off, you've left the rut of GM. You got stuck in a little bit of a mini rut for Taste a minute. Taste the rut. Okay. But then <laughs> uh, but then you actually are, are willing to branch out there that you bought the Honda. I'm going to say some tough love for you, though, Bill. Oh. Your wife has a mini. Get rid of yours. Whoa. I, I did look. I didn't calculate that. I'm going to answer your actual question about the big, nice wow. sedan vehicle. I'm, I'm going to cover that, but Are I'm going to submit to you. I'm me? not. I'm not. I'm, oh. I actually didn't make a list for this. Oh, okay. okay. But my my thinking is you're you're embracing tools for jobs. Your wife has a mini. Get rid of your mini. Go buy yourself a small, lightweight rear wheel drive something. I know Miata springs to mind, but anything hmm. that is small, rear wheel drive, lightweight, so that you have a totally different experience again. Sure, your wife is sure. in the mini brand. You've enjoyed minis. That's great. You've had a, a CRV for hauling stuff. We're about to figure out a nice road cruiser. Where is the dedicated two seat sports car in your life? The mini should go. Okay, uh, for I the new that. experience. I mean, what's Bill going to do when his wife's driving her mini? He does. He is miniless. That's fine because he's got. Look, if, okay, but if he had a, a Miata RF. Oh, that's and nice. the wife takes the mini. He'll be okay. It, that, that is. But nice. you know what? Go back. Like get a get a Honda S two thousand. That's also nice. You know, get a yeah. get a early uh, nine eight uh, seven Boxster, like an 07 Boxster. Ooh, that's tasty. Okay, I'm talking about Bill is primed for new experiences, and yet he's circling back to the Mini, and and they're a cool brand, and I like them. But I haven't heard small light rear wheel drive sports car, which by the way, <laughs> GM hasn't done in forever. They haven't done it since that's the true. Solstice. That's true. Okay. There's now an urgency bill to get into more cars. Yes. Let, let's let's hurry up. Here's the thing. Start I cycling through I them. I didn't even go there, but I am thinking this is actually the step that needs to be taken. There's a mini already. Yeah. We're gonna have. We've had many minis. There's a mini. We're gonna have a nice car for cruising now. Where's the sports car anyway? But I didn't even answer that. I just that's a that's a, a splinter in my brain. I had to discuss. Mm, that's not bad. I do, I do like that RF. The upgrade power 2019 yeah, or later for sure. That's scrumptious. Okay, so that's a different consideration, Bill. But first of all, I would like to say that the Aston Martin Rapide is the car that I want you driving. <clears throat> They're not $25,000. And I don't know that your brother and his trophy wife could fit in the back of a Rapide because the back seat They're okay. is not good. They're okay. They're just going yeah. to dinner. 
Uh, true the, in that regard. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dinner, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, rapides are not in rental fleets. Let's put They're it that not. way. You would, you would not, not lose that car. Granted, you would not be able to get close to it with your budget either. So we're having fun. Yeah. So here's the next best things. I went shopping. I okay. found you a 2007 Audi A8 L Quattro for $18,900. It's really nice. It's at Checkered Flag in Los Angeles. 65,000 miles. It's perfect. That is perfect. the exact execution of one of the cars on my list. Because I was going to say, look at Audi A7s and A8s, figure out which one you prefer, and go get one of those. Scrunch. It's amazing how good those interiors are, how much they've held up in looking really nice. And this is everything he's talking about, about nice ride and quiet and all those things. And I'm going to spin off of that real quick to the two major competitors, BMW and Mercedes. Okay. In the mid-2000s range, which is about where all of these are going to be priced. You said that was what, an 07? 07 for okay. eighteen nine. So the, the let's say, 05 to 2012 is probably the range that these big sedans are going to be in. And I am talking 7 Series BMW, S-Class, and the A8. Those are the obvious competitors here. The problem is that that era of interiors for BMW and Mercedes, I don't think were as good as the Audi. I will give you that. That's and when I, Audi found their stride. And I think that Mercedes' current interior architecture they're using right now with the M-Bucks is great, and they've applied oh, it well across all yeah. of their cars. Yeah. But the generation prior, and I hate to say this, the generation that your SLK comes from, I don't think Mercedes was living up to the price point in their material choices or their design. I fully agree with that. So I do. as much as the S-Class and the 7 Series are standard bearers along with that A8, when you get into this price point, the A8, the Audis are a better choice. Yeah, I, I'm all and about the Audis from that era. A8L you would love. A8L, there's plenty of backseat space back there. It's Phaeton-like well, in its execution. because I have the Phaeton on my list. <laughs> I, is it coming? Well, I mean, that, we'll just okay, jump there okay, right now okay, because okay. that's the thing. The A8 is the, I don't want to be quite so crazy as buying a Phaeton. But a $20,000 Phaeton, here, here's the only reason I think it might work for Bummer. $20,000 Phaeton, bummer. But, but 15 to 20 grand, you can get the nicest ones out there. You can. You can. They are, honestly, they will rival anything else you could buy, Bill, uh, across the board. I say that as a former Phaeton owner. I bought a $5,000 one. Don't do that. But if you bought a, a fifteen dollars to $20,000 nice one, you're going to put 3,000 miles a year on it. Yeah. And it's going to be brilliant every time you do. If it, because it's such low mileage, I think the Phaeton is – it's the oddball wild card choice. The A8 is the more – okay, I should, I should actually rein this in a bit. And you buy the <laughs> A8. A Seriously. Bit. Sure. Phaetons were also not in rental fleets. Did you this know this? True. In spite of the fact they look like they could have been because they look kind of bland. <laughs> but they are a stealth livery. bomber. Yeah. I kept going, Bill. 2008 Audi S8 – that's the 5.2 liter V10 engine, the Gallardo Seriously? engine with 89,000 miles for 16,490. 2008, I'm going to let that sink in. 2008, S8, Todd almost choked on his water. I need a 5.2 liter V10 Gallardo engine, 89,000 miles. I want that car. $16,490. Show me this car. Autotempest.com, baby. You were kidding me. That Not is unbelievable. Money. That that's how it was. How much? Sixteen thousand four hundred ninety dollars. If we hadn't done our cheap car yeah, challenge, yes. we could have bought that car. We'd be rocking S eights. I um, with Gallardo engines. I really really like that one. Which means you can get. And there's many 
There's not just like, ooh, I found the the unique thing. There's many at that price level. You know why? It's the maintenance on that engine. Indeed, indeed. But he's driving it two, three thousand miles a year. He's driving it like supercar, supercar. I mean, yeah. build the stories. I got a Lamborghini engine, engined Audi. <laughs> I, I like that more than I should. Now that might. Mm. Here's the thing. That engine might be too much personality for the hangout we're looking for. But you but can do cool. the put your heads against the headrest. I'm only going to do this once, kind of trick, and then stomp it. <laughs> Yes. Come on. But I, I'm going to go another route, though. I actually think, <laughs> I actually think, compared to that S8, the Phaeton is a more reliable buy. I think the how, Phaeton how to make Phaetons reliable cost you less to oh, maintain. Oh, yes. oh, of course. Than that big V, that V10 is is compelling, V10. though, isn't it? Sixteen grand for that? Mm. Wow. They shoved okay. it into S6s of that era as well. So if you want that V10, they're in your budget, <laughs> oh, my friend. Right. But the car that I found for you, Bill, keeping it British, mm. 2008 Jaguar XJR for $17,950. I wondered if you'd go Jag. 61,000 miles. It's 400 horsepower, 413 pound-feet, supercharged and intercooled 4.2 liter V8. Brembo brakes are performance sports seats. Mm. Silver metallic, charcoal interior, J-gate shifter, terrible nav system, and it is money. <laughs> I love that on the list of features is terrible nav system. Can you imagine you got two minis and the Jag? And you're going to say, honey, want to <laughs> take the Jag. Take the Jag. I love it. That's really good. Oh, uh, it. If you want to see this car, go to one of my favorite places. It is Park Place LTD, located in Bellevue, Washington, seventeen nine fifty. You got to do it right away because somebody's going to scoop that up. You're right. Money XJR four hundred well. horsepower supercharged J Gate shifter. Your your list is fantastic. Just that alone is it's like very coffee table conversation right. kind yeah. of thing. What? How, how, how do you put what? it in gear? It's a J for Jag. <laughs> You've done very well, and I, I will build caveat right now. I've already kind of thrown out my best choices in the midst of what Paul was saying. So you've heard me talk up. I, I legitimately am recommending a Phaeton to you because for your usage, I actually think you'd love but, it. But a more expensive Phaeton, the, the good Phaeton. Oh yeah, no, no, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like like fifteen grand, like, like an 05 kind, or an 06. Like right? the kind of Phaeton that I would like to buy at fifteen right. to twenty grand. Right. I, I right, think right, you right. would love that car. Yes. I really do. And I already explained why I like the Audis. Uh, that V10 one terrifies me, but sounds really incredible. This is how warped our Gallardo brains are now. Lamborghini engine in your for sixteen grand. This is how warped you and I have become doing these cheap car challenges. Is that now that we hear madness like that and we go. How do I do that? How do I get me one of those? I anyway, uh, but I, I've already explained those in relation to the 7 Series and the Mercedes yeah, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So a couple of others. If where we are is too crazy, because we've gone oh, kind of crazy. Oh, we're in crazy town. You could just simplify your world and get yourself as much S-Class as you can. I mean, pardon me, LS as you can. Lexus LS. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But you're going to see others. It's not yeah. interesting enough. I mean, they weren't in rental fleets. They weren't, but you're yeah. going to see others. You're just going to see another Lexus LS, yeah. Yeah. which made me think of this. Hyundai Equus. Oh, the Equus. They're available all over the place. It's the Hyundai Lexus LS, essentially. You're just not going to see them. And they're all That's over true. the place in your budget. They came with iPads for the owner's manual. Bill. Totally. So if you're thinking about, I'd like to have something that just runs like a Lexus LS you're going to see a lot of Lexus. So that's what made me sidestep to the Hyundai Equus is the one you won't see. You can have 
equine conversations equi- <laughs> at dinner. You can talk about steeplechase. Uh, and sure. <laughs> Sure. Just okay. because, because Things really, you would never ever. Because have really, on this discussing. podcast, what we're trying to do is get you to a situation where it makes <laughs> sense to discuss, discuss steeplechase. That's really, I mean, five hundred and forty something podcasts have finally reached us a place where we can bring up steeplechase. We've got the horse jumping now. Thank God. Uh, so <laughs> I can't God. believe we got there. Take it long enough. I have two wild cards for you. Okay. One of them because it's scary, and the other one because maybe you don't want to go this far into luxury sedan. The S8 is scary? The S8 is scary, but I have equivalent scary. Okay. Equivalent scary. Which is the E60 V10 M5. Ooh. Oh, how much are those? Oh, you get them all day long. V10s for everybody? Yes. So, but And because of the low mileage, I think here, here's what would happen with that V10. I mean, we recently drove one for the Test Drive Videos channel. Here's what I think would happen. I think you'd buy it. And you'd spend a lot of money on it in the first six months. Yeah. And then I think you'd just drive it. You're going to have to turn off the inflatable yes. seat bladder thing because it's going to punch your wife right in the it's, kidneys. It's very, She's not going to like that. It's going to launch your passengers. Yeah. But, um, but honestly, I think you'd have to go, okay, what does this need to be brought up to current maintenance? And it would be expensive. And then the amount, amount you're going to drive it, I think it would just run and you'd find it'll be a laugh. Yeah. So that's why that's a wild card. The other one is let's go – Let's pull it back from this big luxury stuff. Let's, <laughs> let's pull it back. Let's leave Crazy Town. To a, <laughs> shut to a, the door to behind a, us. To a middle ground. Here's something you won't see a lot of, is genuinely fun to drive, is luxurious enough, is four seat, four doors, the Alpha Julia. Uh, yeah, Get yeah, yourself yeah. a TI Sport Alpha Julia. You will, here's the thing. Are they 25 grand? Bill, you will love driving it. Oh, yeah. And... It's a nice place to be for passengers. Now, it's not as luxurious as anything else we've talked about. I've, I've scaled that back. But I'm wondering where the balance is for you. I'm wondering if you want to go that far luxurious or if you're looking for a middle ground. And the middle ground for me to discuss for you is that Julia TI Sport and just have fun driving it. I've yeah, been all over the place, but I also had a legitimate discussion to talk steeplechase and phaetons. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. Tommy and Caitlin are in Northern California. Writing to us with the choices of all the SUVs to choose from, what should they get? Tommy says he's writing in for his girlfriend, Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. Hello. She's currently got a 2009 RAV4 with 180,000 miles that she has owned since brand new. Okay. All right. She is aware it's getting up there in miles and wants to get something new before she's forced to get something different because something's going to go wrong. Well, this is the hard part about shopping. Well, that Honestly, window switch broke. Throw that in the trash. Well, yeah, exactly. Here's uh, We don't do that anymore. We just Crush buy cheap car. sports cars and see what happens. Right. But the here's, right. here's the thing I like about this thinking, though, Caitlin. I'm glad you've had that car since it was new. And I'm glad that you're recognizing now. Let me shop now before I have to shop because it's really genuinely difficult to shop with a clear head when you lose your car. That's true. A wreck. That's true. Catastrophic problem. 
Now you have this ticking clock of, I can't get to all the stuff in my life. I can't do my work. I can't do my errands. I have to get something now. And you end up buying something that's poor decision making. not yeah. that good. I've been there. Well, okay? many people have written to us saying, I just had to have something yes. and I wandered into the Kia Forte yes. land and I'm sick of this thing. and Or whatever. Yeah, you know, I just had this is. and it, yeah, yeah, it's not good enough. So I love that you're yeah. thinking ahead of time. So let's see if we can solve it. Caitlin commutes 30 miles a day through beautiful mountain roads from Sonoma to Napa Valley. Cool. She routinely hauls a few cases of wine or does Costco runs, but spends 90% of her time with just her in the car with very little cargo. Okay. I like the wine case hauler vehicle. I like that kind of Don't thinking. get white seats. Yeah, don't get white seats. Just saying. Yeah. Avoid the white seats. Unless you're hauling Sauvignon Blanc or Chardonnay. Or, <laughs> Possibly, but you know, yeah, get, I'm get just, the oatmeal or tan. Ima- or, I'm just imagining whatever you're hauling, just mm-hmm. no white seats. She makes a couple of winter ski trips to Lake Tahoe each year. Would like a vehicle that handle handle those, but they live together, and he's got a 2012 WRX and a 2015 Sierra 4x4 that can handle the winter duties. If so, needed. she doesn't need a Lake Tahoe car. Is really where we're going. Right. I mean, those other cars can handle the wine, too. But they could, but... Uh, yeah, but yeah. Not as stylishly. Yeah. It, this is true. Yeah. Caitlin likes the higher seating position of the RAV4, but also liked driving her dad's 2006 Mini Cooper with a manual when mm. he owned it. Okay. All right. She wants to get a manual transmission car. She appreciates driving them, but has never owned one. She does enjoy a spirit of driving, but doesn't need to be in the high-strung sports car to have fun. Mm. She's strongly considering a new manual Subaru Crosstrek... But Tommy's worried she'll regret it for the lack of power. Mm. She doesn't really want to be in that family with two Subarus in the driveway. So, you know, Crosstrek and WRX. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, since they've been together, he has owned an older Jeep Wrangler and an NB Miata, and she's like driving those. She loves the look of the Nissan Juke and any Porsche. Bravo. <laughs> but wait, she says she's not a fan of most German cars. Interesting. Okay. Here's what explains her car ownership. She grew up in a family that kept their cars for 10-plus years, so she wants to plan for the long term, just like you've done with your 09 RAV4. Totally, absolutely. Yep. Right at 11, 12 years now. Mm-hmm. Now, Tommy's the opposite. He's owned over a dozen vehicles, all used, ranging from a Baja Bug and multiple motorcycles <laughs> to the current pair. <laughs> I like it. That's good. Now, he's just trying to let her dictate what she really wants and help by making suggestions on, along the way, but she's having a tough time narrowing it down. Mm. No dogs or kids to factor in right now. That will likely be part of the equation when she is still the owner of this vehicle. They're starting to do some drive homework. And on the list are a Wrangler, a Cooper S, an ND Miata RF, the Crosstrek, a Civic Si, and, of course, the Hyundai Veloster N. Those are not similar. <laughs> they are. That is a broad spectrum All there. over the map. Yeah. She wants to buy new, brand new, and has a budget of, of about $30,000. Okay. All right, all right. I do like the buy new thing because mm-hmm. of how you keep your vehicle. That's key. I do like That's that. Key. She's going to get the, the, the drive-off-the-lot depreciation is irrelevant here. Absolutely. If you keep a car yes. long enough, it doesn't matter. You just got your car with your specs. You drove it off the lot happy. Indeed. But we've got to make the right decision for mm-hmm, her or mm-hmm. p- help point her in the right direction. Tommy, you've done a great job so far considering these. But yes, you've got a long list of drive homework that have wildly different vehicles because it kind of depends. Well, maybe it doesn't about your two vehicles because you've got a truck and the WRX. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And both those are very capable for pretty much anything totally. you want to throw yeah, yeah. road trips or off-road or snow, whatever that, mm-hmm. whatever that is. So we just need her to be in something that can also do everything, but still be stylish and comfortable and good tech mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know well-built, long-lasting, all those kinds of things. So that's really on my mind. And I do hear you about the manual and sports car. I'm just, I'm kind of thinking that that would not last as long. I hate to mm-hmm. say it, but I'm still thinking another SUV. 
Interesting. Because okay. of the usefulness right. and because yeah, yeah. of, you know, where the price is at and not a Chevy Trailblazer. I'm not going to recommend that. Okay. I promise. <laughs> wow. All right. You're, really going to work hard. That, that was a big surprise. Not recommending that. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Less fine vehicles is, is where we are. Yeah. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, Tom and Caitlin, we just drove the Mazda CX-30. We drove that, and it's on the second YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Go to everydaydriver.com. Second tab over is YouTube, and, you, and then you can choose. So it's the test drive video channel. And look at our video on that, and we both like that. Yeah. It was Agreed. really good. And yeah. what's so surprising about that is it feels like that Mazda 3 kind of combined with some off-road, higher driving mm-hmm. qualities. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an interesting mix between the two. It's not just a rebranded thing. It it's like the like. cross-trek thinking from Mazda. It really is. And yeah. we like the Mazda interiors better. We like the build mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. We like the materials better. Now, as far as power, they're going to be kind of similar, mm-hmm. but and no manual, of course, but... I do like that Mazda. I would I would gravitate yeah. that way. Yeah, I personally. can I can see that. I think that's a really good choice. I'm curious if you've driven any of your incredibly varied list. I mean, this list is really broad. It is. And it is. and I agree. I think some all-purpose usability is good. I actually wonder and I think you kind of already went there, Paul. If you get her something that has a bit of a do-it-all feel mm-hmm. and then maybe uh, tough love here now, Tommy. Um you got tough love for everybody. One of today. your two cars could go and you could actually get a dedicated sports car. Oh. For you guys, like these, this R, Miata RF you're looking at, and some of the other stuff that that's more focused. Maybe even look at a Hyundai Veloster in. I'm wondering if one of your two can go, so you can get that more focused, fun car, and it doesn't that have to be Ka- it doesn't have to be she... Caitlin's car because you guys are living together. Make now your third car more sporty. Now that's interesting. You're thinking he keeps the pickup, the Sierra. Well, but if, here's the, four the thing. By four. If he loves the WR, here's the other thing. If you love the WRX, get rid of the pickup and get something like a Miata. So now you've got a bang through the, the snow, drive kit, all-wheel drive yeah. WRX. Yeah. I don't know what – you don't speak about which one of those you like the most. And you said you've gone through tons of cars. I don't get the impression that you keep cars and you hang on them because they're super precious. But you have those two right now. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder which of those two is the most overlapped by other vehicles in your, in your fleet and you like the least. I'm not saying you don't like them both. But get rid of that one and get yourself something dedicated sports car the two of you can enjoy that doesn't have to be her daily and doesn't have to be your daily. You've got three cars right now anyway. Dang, I like that. I like the Hyundai Veloster N for her, and he gets a Miata RF. Maybe. And the WRX. I mean, that covers the spectrum. That is the spectrum of really good stuff. I also wanted to bring this up of cars you you should drive. Talking about new, manual, Mm -hmm. she likes the SUV ride height, but she's open to other things. Yeah. You'd have money left over on a Toyota Corolla XSE in a color. That's on my list. That's awesome. Why, why not? Why not? It just it's yeah. it's because I'm thinking about the fact she needs something that can haul stuff. She'd like to have a manual that she actually owns, and she's probably going to keep it forever. Like, well, okay, fine. It'll run forever, you know. So I think that's yeah. that's a worthwhile. I see your X, uh, CX30. I think that's really good. I actually wonder if Caitlin in this situation is the perfect buyer, and I'm mainly saying this is your car. Okay. Volkswagen GTI with a performance pack. Interesting, but Get it with why a six not? Speed. Why that over the Veloster N though? Because I because of my thinking about dedicated sports car in their fleet. Because I think what she needs is something that has usability and is a really nice place to be, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. often runs counter to fun. So let's okay. just get okay. that GTI because it's going to have plenty of fun, but it's also just going to be a great – if you guys take a road trip, you're going to take the GTI. 
If, if she's yeah. going to take a long commute or she's going to haul stuff or she winds up with a customer or a friend in the car, they're going to be like, this is a really nice, cool car. You guys don't have that in your fleet. Now, this so you is get interesting. the GTI and just enjoy it. And then you, Tommy, back to you, man. What are you getting rid of to get the dedicated sports car? That's interesting because right now, as of this recording, we are at the tail end of the Mark 7 mm-hmm. Volkswagen Golf platform. And they're solid. You get a deal. They're about to introduce the eighth generation. I mean, it's out. We've seen it. They're just not quite in dealerships yet. And then, of course, the GTI flavor that isn't out yet. But then that's going to be marked up premium. You, you could still get a new GTI and probably yes. talk them down. And honestly, easy, fun manual. That is a, that is a simple is. car to drive in manual. If you got stuck in traffic, stop and go in a GTI, you'd be like, fine. Yeah, true. Manual GTI, no true. problems. So I actually think I think you're the perfect buyer for that, Caitlin. I think it, it, that solves what you're looking for yeah. without going SUV. I just, I'm not sure you're going to love that Crosstrek, Caitlin. I'm not convinced you're going to love it for as long as you keep cars, I guess. It'll be fine. It'll be useful, and you can hose it out and get it dirty. And, but the problem is those cars tend to stay dirty. When was the last time you saw a cleaned up cross track that was like, I take pride in my car- cross track? <laughs> They've always got bike racks and stuff yeah. hanging off the bumper, which is cool yes, in its is, own right. That means but you're using it's different. it. And we yeah. encourage that. But there's the other side of like crisp and clean, and I just got it washed, and it just it feels tight and good, and I just want to drive kind of feeling. Look at that sparkling cross track. Nobody says yeah. that. <laughs> Nobody. So. You've got a longer list now to go drive. We've added two or three now, that Corolla, the CX-30, and the GTI. But, yeah, the Jeep Wrangler, I think, is more of a niche thing, unless you want to get rid of two cars, Tom. You have the Wrangler, the WRX, and Wrangler, sports car, and it's turned into a three-car debate. Wrangler for him, for the Mm 4x4, Miata RF, and she gets the GTI. That's <laughs> There's a garage. I don't think they have the money for that, but that's a good garage, yeah. Okay, so we've added more pain and suffering in your lives for the drive homework. But, but it's irrelevant. Welcome to the car debate. Lots of great questions about all kinds of things, but there's a couple on here I wanted to touch on real quickly that are both Porsche-related. Yeah, And they're, I know, but they're Yay. kind of explain the Porsche cult kind of questions. Oh, yeah. And I, as the non-Porsche guy, am going to try to tackle this for you. I First one listening. here is open mic night. Can someone explain the difference between the Cayman and the 911 besides back seats and power difference? Okay. I think what you're asking, you said they always look extremely similar. What you're asking is, how do I tell by looking? Mm, That's what you're asking. And my wife asked this exact same question when we did our 50 years of 911. She's like, which one is that? I'll tell you a key thing. This coming from the girl who learned to drive in a 911. Whole separate thing. I'll tell you a key thing. The 911 has vents on the tail. And the Cayman never does. That is a hard and fast rule because of the yes. rear engine. It has yes. venting on the tail. I'll go you one further. Now, this is extra credit. The Cayman has openings right in front of the rear wheels. That are the air intakes. It's got the, the side intakes right in mm-hmm. front of the rear wheels. Mm-hmm. That Follow me all the way here. That isn't ever on the 911 unless it's a turbo. Except that they're all turbos. Separate thing. I'm not even going to try to explain that to the poor man. Okay? So only the really hot 911s gained that intake back. But in general, no side intake on a 911, and there is one on the Cayman. But always there is some sort of venting on the rear of a 911, and there never is on a Cayman. Coming at you straight from the front, you're just going to have to get good at it because it's hard. But side or rear, you can tell. 
I like that. Okay, we'll go, we'll go with that. We could keep talking about it forever. Uh, of course we could. On Facebook, Tyler Bezek says, do designers consider where dirt is likely to gather on a car? No, especially <laughs> wheels. They don't consider us, us the, you know, with our fingers jamming it into the crevices. Tyler's S550 Mustang collects a ton of tar, dirt, and resulting paint chips in front of the rear wheel arches due to the wide hip flares. Mm-hmm. You should see my Lotus. Well, yes, many cars do. We mentioned this uh, during the M3 and M4 discussion. Wanting to hear more from me on this. Yes, you'll see that on all the 3.2 Carreras. They have that shape of black. It's just a protective film Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. in front of the rear wheels on the haunches because of that wide body work, Mm -hmm. especially on the turbos. Same kind of thing. And to be honest, no. Designers consider dirt when they're creating renderings of the rally version of this thing and throwing dirt up and kicking dirt up everywhere. And (laughs) And then the dirt's cool. Exactly. Suddenly... You know, we don't care about the fact that it did it to yeah. paint now. It, yeah, it's now just a marketing thing, and you know, look how cool this looks safariized. We could get a wrap that looks like you got it dirty. Yeah, there are those wraps, and they mm-hmm. rusty, and yeah. <laughs> so, generally speaking, no, because I complain about wheels and mm-hmm. the thought of just give me easy to clean wheels instead of the most intricate. 3D printed kinds of craziness. <laughs> you cut your wrist open trying to clean your wheel. Ah. Generally speaking, no. Designers are really interested in look and they're working with aerodynamicists and they're, of course, working with the engineering team, but it doesn't really occur. There's something interesting that has happened on Todd's new Z4 for the Cheap Car Challenge. That car comes from the flame surfacing era. Yep. And just behind the rear wheels, the lower rocker flares out and looks at the ground. It's it's sort of a 45-degree angle at the yeah, ground. Point. And it's point. under the Z. You all know that the the hidden secret Easter egg on the side of the car, the flame surfacing Z that yes. actually, it's actually really goes cool, yeah. right through the BMW logo on the front quarter panel. It's pretty cool. Just under that, where that lower dip mm-hmm. meets the rocker, that part of the car hits the wheel cleaning brush yes. in the tunnel drive wash mm-hmm. that it, you will never visit that, that I will I never yes. take my car through. But yes. anyway, so I've noticed black marks mm-hmm. on that right. where the, the wheel cleaning brush sticks out and engages. If you paid for the wheel cleaner, then it, it comes out and engages. I think it does every time by the way. Yeah. And it makes this black mark right on both sides of the it's, car. It's frustrating, but yes. strangest thing, but it's because the car sp- punches out there in a place mm-hmm. that they didn't account for when they're building, you know, the drive through car washes that I use. Exactly. Now they have to; they can't have crazy pieces sticking out. Yeah. But for the most part, they're concentrated on the design, mm-hmm. and therefore keeping that theme intact—the theme that they've established, whatever that is—nature or sharks or whatever mm-hmm. we're doing, rhinoceros, <laughs> whatever, rhinoceros sharks. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's something cool for the next Hummer. I don't know. So no, they're really not considering that. I, I mean, I suppose maybe, but if a dirt discussion comes up in the design studio. It's going to be met with derision. Let's put it that way, because the designers will say, "Well, wash your car then, just they'll hand just, wash they'll it, just or clean just, it. They'll clean it, yeah. whatever. They'll just keep it clean and deal with it. Just do it, wrap it, or whatever. <laughs> Nobody's going to screw up my design. Yeah, we're not screwing it up because of dirt. Yeah. Orlandis writes in on uh, Facebook with the other Porsche question. I will try to answer as a non-Porsche person. Okay, I'll he said, "Explain the IMS bearing issue." Okay. Oh, oh, how how long do we have? Uh, this podcast is wrapping almost up over. shortly. No, here. seriously, Orlando, I'm, I'm going to try to touch on this. First off, this is this is probably the best example of the fact that every car has something. Mm-hmm. The thing, 
that they didn't account for that is going to break, that is going to cause all this damage with the – you name it. Pick a car. Dig in far enough. Every car has that thing. For Porsche 911s and actually the Caymans and Boxsters for the early 2000s, it's up through about 09, 08, 09. Help me, Paul. Isn't that about when they really get it fixed? Uh, yes, it was the M96, M97 engine. Okay, so there you go. Paul's for, even got the engine codes for you. So think about it from about 98, for about 10 years, about 98 to 2008. It's in that area. Now, there is a piece called the intermediate shaft bearing. Mm-hmm doesn't get proper oil, doesn't have proper lubrication, and it seizes and takes parts of the engine with it. This is the worst-case scenario I am telling you. Now, the Internet gets a hold of this. There was a class action suit with Porsche and all this kind of other stuff, and now the impression that you get as an enthusiast getting anywhere, I mean, you'd be like standing across the room from the Internet, and you'll have this impression that every Porsche of that era is going to explode spectacularly, parts everywhere. It's going to be (laughs) engine out. It's going to be just – it's going to happen. Right. Now talk to Porsche mechanics, and it's far less than 10%. I've heard less than 5% in some cases, okay? Yeah, yeah. And it isn't a guaranteed, oh, if you drive it like this, it'll be that way. The two main things we've heard is that people that never drive their Porsche of that era or always drive it on the track, so extremes of use, are more prone. The people that just drive them, chance. Bought an IMS bearing afflicted 996 from the late 2000s. What is his car? 2000, I think? Yeah, it's a year 2000. It's a millennium edition. He yeah. bought it at like 130 or 140,000 miles with the IMS having not been fixed. Okay? You had a Cayman of this era. I had a No issues Cayman. whatsoever. Yeah, no issues. Okay? So it, it is a small percentage, but the internet would have you believe it's all of them. And so it isn't, but that is the short version of this issue. Yeah, there, there's a huge discussion, and one of the great shops is LNN Engineering. They have come up with a solve for these engines, and you can do it when you change out the clutch. But also, IMS bearing fixes also over a period of miles, every 100,000 miles or so, also need to be changed again. Mm-hmm. And I'm becoming more and more convinced that people who drive their cars and the higher mileage cars are actually better. They mm. turn out better because... Mm. Everything continually gets lubrication and is driven and is used, and the cars that sit are have the problems. Mm-hmm. This is a sweeping generalization, sure. and I, sure, I am sure. reserve the right to be wrong. But for the most part, the Mercedes that I got has 153,000 miles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just going to run. It seems like it. The yeah. higher mileage you go, that just means these Porsches with the IMS bearing, the ones that sat and didn't get oiling and then mm-hmm. you know starting up, everything's dry – well, those are the ones that had more problems of failing than yeah, the ones yeah, that are yeah. just driven, the high-mileage ones that just go and mm-hmm. are driven. You're right. So things get sorted. The parts get changed out. Every car has its issue. There's class action lawsuits. But then once those parts are changed and once mm-hmm. you know the car's kind of sorted, it's going to go for a while. And so don't be afraid of high-mileage cars. Don't. Now – if it's high mileage cars and hasn't had stuff done like a Maserati Quattroporte, <laughs> high mileage and Run well away. taken care of cars. There is that There's caveat a big as well. Difference. Yeah. Yes. Ryan Hughes asks, who is the Jay Leno of the ordinary man's world? Hmm. Is there a fairly boring person like an engineer that has, well, engineers aren't boring. I've met plenty of interesting engineers. You could also meet many boring engineers. Well, true. Okay. But yeah, going on. It depends on the person. It does. Somebody like that that has dozens and dozens of lackluster but interesting vehicles. If not, Ryan aims to be this man, a hero for the average <laughs> auto enthusiast. He's put his stake in the ground. This is what I'm going to be. I, it, 
people with collections doesn't matter who are interesting individuals flat yeah. out. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I'm going to give you an example, and that is Dave Parker. He passed away in 2020. He was 87 years old, and he founded Pelican Cases. Okay. Now, here's a man who has created a business, and it's got 1,500 employees. We use Pelican Cases. Yeah, we do. Everybody knows They're Pelican awesome. Cases. They're They're incredible. And he had uh, – his collection was actually auctioned off by Barrett Jackson in 2011, but – I had the chance to go with the Motor Press Guild one time mm-hmm. and go on this tour of his collection. He had kind of some unremarkable Mustangs and some ordinary 56 Ford Thunderbirds, which, okay. you know, they're special, but they're cool in their like, own right. But they made a lot of know, them. It's not a Koenigsegg kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> and he had a Ford GT and he had some special Porsches and this and that. But for the most part, it was just sort of, you know, the car collection we could all kind of aspire to. It mm, wasn't the crazy, sure, sure, wow, sure. you've got one of two Nissan prototypes from the, yeah, yeah you know yeah. it wasn't that it was just wow there's corvettes and mustangs and mm. thunderbirds and cool cars and he had over a hundred of them and oh, of wow. course he was a wealthy man but he liked to share it and have people over and then yeah he passed away but everybody to the person just really admires dave mm. for not being out there you probably haven't heard of him mm-hmm. you know he's not the, the yeah. face of pelican he was just kind of behind the scenes and building the company and you know, really doing his employees right. So that's cool. Yeah. Somebody like that. I, I get it. Joshua Robinson on Facebook uh, said, what cars come to mind that where the steering feel changes in sport mode, but gets worse. He talks about his uh, 2016 Lexus IS and he thinks in sport mode, the steering is worse. Super numb. He said he would expect that with sport mode, it would get mm-hmm. better. Can we think of something to get worse? I'll tell you one that is a car we love that gets worse is the Civic Type R. Thank you. That was on my list. Yes. Because and the Civic Type R, we've put it alongside in discussion alongside the uh, Hyundai Veloster N because the Hyundai Veloster N, while it has a million menus of it, you can change everything. That's the key thing. You can change everything. Mm-hmm. I'd like mm-hmm. the softer steering with the more aggressive suspension and I want the medium level of exhaust craziness, whatever you'd like to do, okay? But the, the Honda is phenomenal to drive. It's it is. It's excellent on commuting. It's excellent on a back road. It does have a sport button, but they've just locked in. These are the parameters. And strangely, the steer, and I'm talking steering feel only now. Yeah. The steering feel is better in comfort. Yes. While the rest of the car is better in sport. And I'm desperate to just go, can I just dial that in and make an individual setting, please? And they don't give you that option. You can't do the individual thing, which on the Hyundai Veloster, and you can, by the way. You can individualize it all. That's the purple mode on Hyundais. (laughs) I didn't know. Where's that button? I don't know. It's purple. All right. Uh, Hayden Hughes asks us to weigh in on the recent run of bad press electric vehicles and hydrogen startup. You're going there. Nikola has had lately in the founder, Trevor Milton, stepping down. Do they have a future or are they going to fade away? Well, it's my hope that we have somebody from GM on the podcast here in three, four or five weeks, something like that, to discuss a little bit about the future of the GM Nikola partnership and Mm. what that means Mm. for GM as an investment and where that's going. It's still, I think, all pending right now. I think it's still yeah. kind of unfolding as we go, and we're still hearing you know, the financial reports coming out and what's going on with the company, but they're still kind of sticking to their guns as far as their plans. It'd be very interesting to see how it shakes out. I think it's a six-month-from-now kind of I question. I think it is, yeah. too. I don't think it's immediate because whatever we say now is going to be wrong in a month, mm-hmm. and I'd like to hear more from GM, to be honest. So we're working on that, somebody who can talk more about what that means. I hope they touch on Hummer from an electric brand and what's coming for us and what GM is doing. I'd 
I think GM is reserving all their eggs in one basket for the future of electric and what that means, mm. and therefore mm. giving us Chevy Trailblazers. Interesting in time. All right. I think that's what they're doing. Savior JW on Twitter asked an interesting question. He said, would we rather have for a lightweight track toy weekend racer a spec Miata or one of those spec racer Fords that you and I did when we did the SCCA uh, licensing school? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I have to say, one of the things that I like so much about the track days we do on our own cars, I know this sounds weird, but I, and I've said it before, I like the fact that we drive the car from our driveway to the racetrack, drive hard on the racetrack, and drive home. Yeah. I'm of the mind. Same as the salt flat, by the way. Totally. I, absolutely. I'm of the mind where I think if I was going to get a car that is only to be on the track, I would rather have one that was only ever built to do it. And I think I would go spec racer forward. Yeah. over the spec Miata yeah. because uh, sure. I like the fact that I could take my Miata from home. Now that one I can't take from home. Yeah, true. So I, if we're going to go dedicated track car, I would just do it right and go, this is all this was ever intended to be because those spec race reports, here's the thing. They're not fast as far as if I gave you numbers, but you'd be shocked at how much speed was carried through every corner. I bet you they'd be competitive. I mean, oh, yeah. eventually the high-powered cars would lose them on the straightaways, but they're yeah. going to be like Miatas, sort they're of the gonna, fastest thing on the track. Or or better than Miatas. Yeah. They're just hunting everybody down, yeah, for sure. I agree. A couple last questions for me from Jared Beyer. Any car photography tips or tricks? Yes, three to keep in mind. First of all, lighting. Mm-hmm. The low levels of light usually are sexier, and they're more compelling and interesting. The longer late day or early day light. Exactly yeah, it's very right. cool, yeah. Second is eye level. As Todd mm-hmm. says, nothing between five and seven feet, because that's how most human beings on the planet view the world. Thank you. I, I hate that. So get below five feet or above seven feet to make a compelling photo. Mm. And the last one is rule of thirds. When somebody says, hey, could you take our picture? Don't center them. <laughs> Do something Do with the frame. something different. Make them <laughs> so you have two thirds of the scenery in the background and they're in the last third or the car is in the, the bottom third and the right third and then... You know, the scenery or whatever Where is behind it, yeah. the sunset or yeah, whatever hopefully. is in the upper two-thirds of the frame. So make it interesting and frame it. And also, you don't want the front of the car pointed in the direction where it's it's leading off. You want the front of the car, you know, more – give it more space between yeah. that and the left edge of the frame. Or the well right done. The That's the same way you shoot a face, by the way. You always want to leave yes. yeah. room in front of where the face is looking. That's how you frame a face yes. typically. And every yeah. now and then people frame it the opposite just to be – be quirky, but that definitely applies for cars as well. We do not advocate breaking the law, but there's this little blurb from Billy Milligan who says his wife just took a trip from Seattle to Portland to visit her family in her new Q3. When she arrived, she sent Billy a text to let him know she got there safely, and it read, made it, three triples. <laughs> He's never been so proud. There's no question, but that's just a phenomenal story to end on, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you, guys. For all your questions, for your Topic Tuesdays, your car debates, really appreciate you dropping us a line, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or while you're on the website wondering where the YouTube tab is to go to both websites, it's the second one in, by the way, over on the far right under the About tab is the Contact button, goes to the same place, syndicates those emails, and uh, write to us. And from all over the world, we encourage your debates as well. Absolutely. We love them. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.